0: Welcome everyone to episode four of Blue Jays Happy Hour Live. We're joining you after a one-run Blue Jays loss which is unfamiliar in a sense but also uh, a little bit too familiar. The Blue Jays in this series with the Cleveland Guardians struggling to produce enough offense outside of that one win um, you know continually to struggle with runners in scoring position especially when they had a chance to really take control of the game early and failed to do so Stone, what's your first impression of that, uh, yeah, not ideal afternoon of Blue Jays baseball?
1: Well, I guess that it was not ideal. Yeah. Um, but also I suppose, uh, which is a thing that we talked about, you know, quite a bit when they were banking one, one, one run wins, uh, slightly earlier in the schedule. Uh, that's why it was important to bank all those one run wins, right? Like it was, uh, that's, that's a thing that will happen. Um, um, You know, nothing to be super concerned about. You know, Manoa has been great. Uh, The command wasn't as as ideal as you'd like today. The bullpen's generally been real good. Um, But obviously, I would have preferred a different outcome to this baseball game.
0: Manoa was interesting today because (laughs) he had one of those days where his velocity kind of fell off a cliff for a bit. And it's the sort of thing where, with most pitchers, and that happens, you think, oh, is this guy injured? What's the big deal? And for whatever reason, he's just been inconsistent that way. And often it doesn't really matter because despite him being sort of this big horse type pitcher, he's more of a movement and deception guy than he is a raw velocity blow you away guy, even though it can feel like that at times. Um, but it I think it definitely helped, you know, helped the Guardians that they had a little fraction of a second more to react to some of this stuff. And you don't see teams kind of getting the barrel out on him the way they were. Uh, at times during this game and you know he still pitched a pretty good ball game like I, this is nitpicking because at the end of sure. the day yeah. he gave them good innings and, and in any you know in another situation they would have been able to come up with a win with that start like two runs in five innings is obviously a quality outing but he he wasn't this is the first time this season where we've seen that version of him that's slightly less dynamic and sort of the good news about that is that this has happened before and it's not necessarily an indication that something um, really that he's in any kind of peril. Uh, but, it, you know, it was nice to see him sort of put together that run of really dominant starts. And, you know, it kind of coming into this podcast, I had a note and we were going to maybe talk about, you know, who's been more impressive, Manoa or Gosman. And I think coming into this start, you could have made an argument for either one. Uh, and then this start kind of <laughs> of puts you a little bit behind well, the eight ball because he, he just <laughs> wasn't able to reach that level of, you know, people talking about him as a top pitcher in the American League. And, again, that's not going to happen every single day. It's an unfair expectation.
1: Well, also, being better than Kevin Gossman is uh, real hard to do at this
2: point.
0: Yeah, and not, not a lot of folks. Uh, some would <laughs> say none uh, are doing it right now. Um, yeah, and I, you know, the offense... It gets tired to say you know they're not coming up with the hits when they need them. That's certainly the case. You know Teoscar Hernandez kind of gave them that hit, and it felt I don't know it felt like oh this is healing. Like okay Teoscar Hernandez is cleaning up now, and he's coming up with a hit in in the situation where they haven't had it all year long, and it's happening at the very beginning of the game. And like we're really going down a good road here. And you know we talk about vibes on this show a fair amount because the Blue Jays are a very vibey outfit. But it felt like very strong vibes for the Blue Jays when Teoscar comes with that really, you know, that clutch hit really early on felt like it was tone setting and it ended up being uh, not that really.
1: <laughs> Absolutely true. Yeah, uh, no, I felt good and I did feel like a missed opportunity, you know, the, uh, to not just blow the doors open right at that, at that point, which, you know, it happens. But, but there's like no, there's not a real way to dress it up like it was not it was it was not an an enjoyable game of baseball for Blue Jays fans.
0: I think in this series too often when the when the bats struggle, it's easy to forget that there's two sides of the coin and the other team is pitching and trying to prevent them from doing well. And like sometimes you run into good pitching and that can be frustrating and that's sort of a reality. But in this series, you know the only really stellar pitcher that the the guardian sent out was Bieber and he's the guy who struggled. Like generally (laughs) Pilkington's not a you know, he's not really a guy. Uh Savale is not a guy at all. Like really, really bad in recent outings. (laughs) And so when the Blue Jays don't hit against these guys, it's fair to be a little bit more critical. It's not, oh well, you know, this is obviously gonna come around and you know, sometimes you tip your hat. And yada yada yada. Like when you don't hit these guys, like that is a little bit of a big deal because they're like you said. This you know this game felt like a missed opportunity for the team, but I think the series was a bit of a miss opportunity as well because they didn't see very good pitching, and they did do a little bit more offensively maybe than they've done in some recent series. But that's such a low bar to clear at this point that you have to be kind of disappointing with the output, especially with uh, Teoscar kind of coming back to complete the lineup.
1: Yeah. No, I can't disagree. Absolutely, it's uh, you know uh, there's a lot of losing in this sport, obviously, but yeah, it definitely felt like a missed opportunity. And I think you're right. I mean, you know, you think you think you're gonna you know hang however many runs they hung on on Shane Bieber, you think you're gonna have a pretty good series against Cleveland, and uh, uh, it did not, it did not, <laughs> it did not work out that way. Um, and yeah, it's like a little bit of an easier schedule with Cleveland here, but also, I don't know, the, the Yankees are ahead. The Rays are ahead. Um, it, it's just, we talked about the schedule a lot in April, which I think, cause you know, we were crowing about beating the Astros and the Red Sox and the Yankees a bunch. Uh, you know, Jays fans were, were understandably uh, a bit chuffed about that, but, uh, but the schedule doesn't get like easy at any point. Like, like, and these are the kind of games you need to win. Like, you know. You don't want to put it all on. Well, we'll beat
0: Baltimore nineteen times. But you probably will beat Baltimore nineteen times. Ideally, yeah. Realistically, <laughs> uh, you probably will. No, I, the schedule eases up a little bit right now, but it doesn't ease up. Comparative to like in June is when it, it seems to me like things really you know take a bit of a turn and they end up being a little bit better for this team. Right now, now it's still tough. Like you said, the Yankees are a team they got to face a couple of times next week. Then they got to go face the Rays. We know how much they struggle with the Rays at times. And just because you're facing a team, that's not great. And the guardians aren't terrible. Uh, I, I don't want to say respectable because they don't really run their organization or special, <laughs> um, but like the level of talent is respectable. Like it, it's not like you're facing the reds or uh, the pirates or something like that. But no. yeah, maybe if you get, Two out of four of these games—that's not the worst. When you're on the road against a team that's kind of okay, like that's not what you want. But that's not a disaster. Getting one out of four, especially in the context of all these tough games before and the tough games after, that's definitely a blow uh, for a team that's still hasn't really hit its stride and is in, you know, still in a tough division. You know, the Blue Jays—we kind of consider them making the playoffs this year to be something of a foregone conclusion. Uh, and that may well be true. You know, I'm looking at fan right now. They say 93.1% making the playoffs. That probably doesn't include this result. But th- winning the division is, is a big deal with the way these things are structured, too. And, the, you know, the Yankees have, they've banked some wins. Uh, and they're not going away. So it's a, it's a, there's no, yeah, there's no sugarcoating it. Like, this is a really rough series for the Blue Jays. Even if it felt like, yeah, some of the one-run games might kind of come back around at a certain point, uh, it doesn't doesn't make it any easier
1: no <laughs> no you're right and i mean we talked about cleveland a lot uh because we talked about jose ramirez a lot um and you know the Jays, is you know very close to trading for him apparently uh all that stuff um and that was you know th- like bieber was out for half the year last year and they were still like a 500 ball club in a not great division uh with uh With an extra playoff spot, so uh, so you know they 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 didn't exactly exactly as you say did not like tear it down to the studs like like uh, like a Pittsburgh. Well, I mean that's that's probably being generous to Pittsburgh. They're just bereft of any hope or talent at this point, except for a couple of maybe prospects. But uh, but yeah, no, they're they're still a strong enough team to obviously do what they did over these last four games.
0: Yeah, and that you know their lineup. You heard it, you guys heard it on the broadcast over and over again, like. Oh, they're pesky. Oh, they're tough at bats. Like, oh, they go through a lot of pitches. They foul stuff off. They don't strike out. And sometimes that can be sort of cliche, and you're like, okay, but how many runs did they score? Like, (laughs) Reed Johnson used to foul off a million pitches, but was he a good hitter? Uh, At times, yes, but at times, definitely not. Um, And I think that it's easy to kind of romanticize that type of hitting, especially because it runs contrary to some of the stuff we see in the modern game. But the reality is that they do make it hard on a lot of these guys like you know gosman has been a strikeout machine he wasn't really able to get a bunch of strikeouts against these guys and the you know the wind may have played a bit of a role in gosman's start you know Manoa wasn't able to rack up the strikeouts against these guys and you know you're relying more on defense and the defense for the Jays is sort of fine and great in some places and not great in others it's a bit scattershot and the margin of error can get kind of thin when you're facing a team that's consistently putting the ball in play like you remember the playoffs in 2015 against the uh Kansas City Royals like it, they were an exhausting team to play. I'm not saying that the Guardians are that like that's obviously the extreme example, but those type of teams um when they click a little bit can be a real annoyance and the Guardians were an annoyance this weekend.
1: I felt that as well. Yes, absolutely. <laughs>
0: Speaking of annoyances, I feel like these—you know—these post-loss calls are more for the airing of grievances. It's like, uh, you know, mull- twice a week festivus for everybody. So, uh, <laughs> if anyone's listening in and wants to come up and call in and express what you're unhappy about, or hit us with some optimism that runs contrary to this game, uh, we're open to either.
1: Yeah, or, or leave a comment in the chat. We'll we'll chat about your, your chat comment as well um but yeah uh not great i think the off day will do them well uh and i mean it's like th- this was the end of the 20 games in 20 days which obviously didn't quite work out that way with the rainout. but uh nonetheless it has been a bit of a grind uh you know obviously baseball we as we all know you're playing a lot of games anyway uh but that really is a bit relentless and uh and and you know it's cliche to be like oh it will serve them well but uh I think it would probably be nice to just to to get back on the field tomorrow. If the you know if, that would probably be pretty okay as well, because you, you know, want to put that well, this this whole series basically in the, the rear view as quickly as you possibly can. Uh, but these off days will probably help as well. Um, you know, I but uh, but also uh, in saying that, it's like it's not like the bullpen is overtaxed. It's not like you know they've been fine all year. They're gonna they're gonna give up. The odd run from time to time. It's like you just you can't have you can't put them into a pressure cooker every single time out and uh, and expect things like this to not happen.
0: Yeah, they're not going to be perfect. You know, yeah. you need some of those games that are laughers. Uh, and realistically, you know, that would be you, nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> you would, you think ever? I think it's. I keep thinking it's going to happen. Like you kind of pinpoint the pitching matchup. I thought that in the opener of this series, like, oh, this is a good opportunity for the Blue Jays to maybe have one of those games. Uh, it never seems to come around. Just wanted to address some of the stuff in the chat from Joe, who managed to uh, – our earliest caller managed to sneak in early somehow. But, you know, well done. Uh, yeah, nothing, well, nothing
1: that we, against it without uh, – yeah. No. Uh,
0: just,
1: he just says, had that peek behind the curtain while we were talking about closing windows and stuff.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's thrilling stuff. So <laughs> we had – so, commenting on the lack of home runs from the Jays in this series, considering the pitching they face. And we touched on that a little bit. The Yeah, the pitching, the quality of the opponents was not particularly strong. Uh, and, you know, there's a couple of good arms out of the Garden's bullpen, just like there are a couple of good arms out of every bullpen. But home runs are harder to come by right now around the league. And I'm not saying that to absolve the Blue Jays. We already kind of criticized their lack of offense in these games. Um, but it is it's kind of getting to the point with the ball where it's not traveling nearly as far, not, I don't know. I don't want to exaggerate the effect, but it, there is a fairly significant effect here. And I think our, all of our eyes, were kind of adjusting to it. Like we're seeing balls that look like home runs and they're not um, fairly consistently. So this team and these names and what the results were familiar with from last year, we do have this expectation that like, Oh, there's going to be home runs. And you know, this is a team that will, you know, kind of hit probably multiple home runs in a lot of games, especially when they're not facing aces. And even though they've hit a decent amount, it's just we're playing a different brand of baseball right now, and that's arguably unfortunate. But that's the truth.
1: No, I, I think you're right, and I haven't looked at these for like a couple of days. But uh, you know, people are like weighted runs created plus is very interesting because it, it it's it's uh, it's adjusted to the run environment, the the league and the and the parks and all of that. And, you know, some of the – you're seeing some lines that are that are better – the better-weighted runs created plus with a worse line than literally like last year uh, because the offensive environment has just been not great. And, I you know, uh, I'm very interested. You know, you see uh, uh, people tweeting about Rob Manfred's balls a lot and whatever they're doing with the ball. Uh, Meredith Wills does a great job of like literally – like like cutting them up and trying to find like the properties of, of like what is different from from ball to ball and year to year, which apparently changes a lot, uh, which is madness and uh, and I don't know that any other sport would like tolerate <laughs> that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I joked with a humidor at one point uh, earlier in the year. I don't know if that's the factor, but the as much, but like every team has a humidor now, which was you know it. it it doesn't just suppress offense, right? Like the, the the concept of the humor, it's like, well, if there's drier places, it makes the balls more humid. But if there's like more humid places, it it, it puts them in a, in a a range of humidity that is consistent, which seems like a good idea, but also it's weird if the ball itself is physically constructed differently. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. You don't want to really want to be at a point in the season where you're talking about that stuff. and, and, you know, it would just be nicer if the Blue Jays could sit, could could hit some home runs and stuff. But uh, but it has been an, it's been an interesting thing to watch uh, league wide, not just with the Jays. Uh, but as you say, Nick, you know, not to make excuses about it because they just haven't been good enough offensively.
0: Yeah, and you know, people are talking pretty openly about this too. Like Andrew McCutcheon tweeted today, the balls have an inconsistent feel. Some have high seams and some have tightly wound seams. The pitchers are pointing that out. All the baseballs are put in a humidor since it's not as humid and hot yet balls aren't carrying as much as they normally do like I feel like you know when this first we first started talking about the ball really sort of seven years ago it was a lot of whispers and now you know players and managers and people are pretty comfortable saying this is different this is not you know it's not working it's not having the desired effect I don't know if they make an in-season adjustment with this but it's clearly having it's sort of a negative effect on the game like people complain about you know, there's too much to be outcomes. There's too much strikeouts, walks and home runs. But if the thing that changes that is that there's just less home runs then that doesn't really like home runs out of those three are the ones that people want to watch. Um, and you yes. Know, <laughs> yeah. So the blue Jays are a team that what you would kind of assume would be fairly reliant on home runs for offense. And again, They haven't been good enough, and there's lots of things that they could do otherwise, and there's been bad sequencing and bad runners and scoring position issues, so I don't want to boil it down to this one point. Like, oh, this is conspiring against the Blue Jays. Like, that's unfair. That's not really what it is. They could could take a a few
1: more walks, yeah.
0: They are a team that might be disproportionately affected by it, because they are pretty reliant on their power, and you know, he's not with the team right now, but I have a hard time imagining uh, Kevin Biggio, for instance, uh, hitting those wall scrapers to right. Like, those aren't going over anymore. And, like, obviously, he's not a huge part of their offense. But, you know, maybe some of the Vladdy opposite field stuff isn't going to be going anymore. Uh, and that that can add up.
1: Yeah. It, it, I mean, it is absurd. I, and, and God forbid. Forgive me for, like, giving you an excuse to talk about football. But, like, Deflate Gate was, like, literally, like, you know, about, like, the consistency of the equipment that you use. It's crazy that baseball... It's just like, oh, yeah, the ball changes from time to time. Sometimes, like, there's a high-profile game, and it's like, oh, we've got the ball a bit more juiced. And then this year, it's different. And and it's, you know, I know they use a billion baseballs every year, um, but it it, it it should probably be more scandalous than it is.
0: Yeah, it, it's wild. Yeah, you can do any kind of cross <laughs> sport thing you want to do, right? Like in hockey. Imagine us
1: imagine reason. the Champions League soccer ball being different than the Premier League ball and like and and, and and nobody saying anything. It's like it's like it's inconceivable in other sports.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's an unfortunate and I, I feel like I feel like we're getting a bit sidetracked here. This is uh you know, this is a Blue Jays podcast. You wanna, you
1: I mean, you want to talk about Pilkington? I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, I, I talk about uh, is it Carl Pelkington? Is the uh, idiot Ricky abroad? Gervais, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. I saw you tweet about that earlier. I was wondering <laughs> who's going to be the first person to do that. I thought about. it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if people know enough about an idiot abroad and the various Ricky Gervais stuff, but apparently they do.
1: Oh, Gervais is, uh, which let's not talk about his what, what he's become, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, uh, we are getting a bit sidetracked. Also, because no one's lined up to to. to- Talk to us. Everybody's being a bit shy, but uh, it's okay. There are there are positions to uh, to take in the queue. There's a chat room open if you would like to do it. We can ramble by ourselves. We're oh, we well, we, we did that forever. That before, we're perfectly yeah. happy to do it. But uh, but if you'd like to chat, we would uh, we'd love to hear from you.
0: One comment we got from CPTBLD. I'm not. I mean, without vowels, it's just hard uh, to pronounce things. Uh, just saying, hi from Belfast and Ireland. Uh, thanks for insightful, enjoyable commentary. I'm not just reading this because it's nice, but, you know, it's here. <laughs> uh, Despite the disappointing result, I'm glad it's an early game. Baseball is a great sport, and it's not easy to export to European time zones. One thing that I have enjoyed about sort of our early experiment with this new format is the people we're hearing from from kind of all over the world, which... I don't know. I I never really look at audience data and stuff. Uh, That's more Stoughton's job. So I had no idea where our audience is at. And it's cool to find out that you guys are tuning in from Ireland, California, Australia, um, various places. And, you know, they talk about the Blue Jays being kind of this Canada wide team, but you know, there's plenty of Canadian expats and people that come to the team for whatever other reasons. Like I've seen, there's, you know, a Belgian Blue Jays Twitter account and a UK one and, uh, it is cool to see this team, yeah, have that far-reaching fan base, and it's probably going to be involved in some international uh, games down the road.
1: Yeah, I think I hope so. I think the Jays would be a, a perfect team to 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 take to Europe, which uh, you know MLB has already done a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, it's it you know they are they are making very real inroads, I think. And you know the Blue Jays were, you know, I, I don't want to give them too much credit, but like they they got two guys out of the Dutch honkball. Uh, league, right? Like the uh, Semra versus like a real prospect who uh, who's who's doing really well in Vancouver, I think right yet, yeah, right now. Um, and you know, I see it on Twitter. I see like you know, folks from from all over the place. I think the time zone thing is a thing. I don't think that's probably ever going to change. Unfortunately,
0: it's just that's you know, well, maybe the early Peacock game is something that you know they're playing with.
1: But yeah, I mean, which I mean, which works both ways. People love the breakfast at Wimbledon. I love the the early so- early morning soccer games that we get over here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be hard uh, inevitably. Uh, but you still see, you know, Max Kepler is a good player from in the Twins organization. You are seeing guys from Europe uh, more often, and obviously, it's a very international game. Uh, literally everywhere else around the world, and I, I think you you um, that. You know, I, I I don't want to credit Mar- Rob Manfred for literally anything. Rob Manfred sucks, but uh, but yeah, I think the game is is becoming more global, uh, and it's more than just you know the Yankees and uh, I, I, it's which has gone on forever. You know, there's you know the Blue Jays with all the, the you know all the guys from the Dominican were 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 quite popular. You hear for years and you know Latin America and, and stuff, which is which is great and which is a like a bucket list thing for me a buddy of mine went to the uh, like the deciding game of the cuban series for example a few years ago just like happened to be there at the time it was happening and i'm extraordinarily jealous like at that like you know just watching people uh just watching the game in other places seems the baseball culture is is great and global and growing um but yeah that's cool it's it's cool that we're uh that we're reaching people who are all over the place, and you definitely more this year than any other year uh, in the past. See, like you know, the Blue Jays UK accounts. So there's Dutch Blue Jays fans. There's French. You know, people are everywhere. Uh, you know, Europe's not the only continent, but like, but like, yeah, it just it does seem to be uh, growing, and that's great.
0: Okay, we have a couple other comments I want to touch on. One, Oz Rob, just <laughs> speaking uh, of time to, zones, wants to know what happened. Uh, Rob, the Blue Jays lost; uh, they had a lead and they blew it, which has not happened frequently. They lost a one-one game; that'll happen to them eventually. The other one uh, I want to touch on is Derek Sullivan, who has a kind of a pretty serious dilemma, which is who do you guys favor? Anthony Kay or Trent Thornton? That's a tough question to answer. I'll give you first pick, uh, Stoughton in our draft of these two. I mean, players.
1: <laughs> I mean, it depends on which side of the plate somebody's uh hitting from, I
0: suppose.
1: Uh ideally uh like Nate Pearson or literally maybe anybody else. I mean Tom Satch would, felt promising and then has kind of been not doing great the last couple of years. Uh, I haven't looked at his numbers, you know, right away. Uh, I know I'm skirting the question, obviously, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I, I like Thornton looked. Thornton looked impressive early on. He had like a bunch of scoreless innings, but the, the underlying numbers were not all that impressive. Uh, Anthony Kay, I think that there's a reason why they liked him, but you know those to, those to me are ideally Buffalo guys. I, I hate to say.
0: Yeah, I I actually had sort of higher hopes for K for a while, probably longer than other people did. Like I kind of liked his curveball and, you know, the the changeup was something that he had shown really well before and you figured maybe it would come back uh, and it never really did. Um, So, I mean, maybe I'd pick him out of the two of those. I I see them as pretty similar pitchers, both in terms of like, ideally they are kind of depth guys, you know, low leverage inning guys you know, whatever, however you want to phrase that. But also when I watch them, I have the similar experience where I feel like they don't have anything to get you out in the strike zone. So like maybe they can, if they can get ahead of you, they can get you to chase something potentially, but you know, they're not sort of Kevin Gosman in terms of being able to get them to chase, you know, half the time or ridiculous percentage. They're very reliant on that because the fastballs aren't particularly impressive. And when they fall behind, like if you're watching Trent Thornton, and he falls behind 3-1, is there any part of you that thinks that he's going to get the guy out? Like, I, That's not my experience. There is not. And it's the same thing yeah. with Anthony K. It's like this stuff can probably work when they're ahead in the counter, able to steal a strike or two, but when they fall behind, they don't have that big fastball or maybe like a cutter or something that you can put in the zone and feel like it's not going to get really hit so you know they, they have to nibble around the corners more that adds to more walk it leads to more walks and yeah it's it's tricky and, and, and both of them have done so much tinkering like since they came to the Blue Jays they've done a ton of it and I think we're very inclined to believe because the Blue Jays have this pitching coaching staff um, that has had a lot of success sort of improving guys that oh all they have to do is just keep kind of tinkering and then they'll figure out the thing and it hasn't worked for either of them and it's an important reminder that just because you have good pitching coaching it doesn't mean that guys are ultimately going to be good or it's going to be the right match like maybe if anthony K had gone to another team they would have found a different adjustment and it would have worked out like maybe it's a fit with the organization thing i don't i don't want to speculate on it but it's important to remember that the whole pete walker matt bushman thing isn't automatic
1: well we all watch tanner roark and i think that maybe uh common among these kind of folks is uh you use the word uh, big fastball uh is absent from some of these guys and that maybe is uh a difference maker which i think the blue jays had basically acknowledged in signing kikuchi for three years
0: yeah and i think that's an it's an easier starting point right like if you have very much fastball, so yes. yeah then you can tweaking around that is a lot easier than saying how can I tweak everything so that I can work around this existing deficiency? Uh, and I don't want to go all Blue Jays broadcast because I know sometimes they call for like we need to be throwing eighty percent fastballs, and that's definitely not the case. <laughs> I've um, heard that, yes. But there is something to uh, the fastball being an important pitch, and when a guy doesn't have it, he's really got to have other things. And we, I know that we hear about Thornton's spin rate, for instance, um, being really elite, and the movement on his off-speed pitches being good, but. You, know, you still have to command those pitches. You still have to challenge the zone. I feel like a lot of his curveballs and sliders aren't competitive. They aren't close to the plate, so it doesn't really matter if they moved a ton or if they've got that big spin rate. Um, anyway, this is a lot more about Trent Thorne and Anthony Kay than I expected. <laughs> to be fair, we're literally giving the people or at least one individual person what they want. So in our defense, <laughs> we didn't plan to talk about Anthony Kay and, and uh, Trent Thorne to that degree.
1: But also, the fastball thing, I mean, we're just chatting. We're, we're just, we're, we have fun. We're just uh, we're just some casual dudes talking baseball, ladies as well. And uh, um, to that, I mean, Julian Merriweather is the opposite end of that spectrum, right? It's like, you can't just have the fastball. And, and that has been a confounding thing, I feel, as well. Uh, fastball, like it, it, Yeah, that fastball just gets, gets hit a lot, it turns out.
0: Yeah, well, that's why he got sent down. And we talked mm-hmm. about him on, on the last podcast about how his stuff just isn't as dynamic as it was you know, in 2020, early 2021. Like, he wasn't that guy. And sort of the great thing for the Blue Jays is a lot of teams, if you have this guy who's got this elite, elite velocity and some interesting secondary stuff that hasn't quite worked the way you want it, but has some good movement on it, your assumption is like, oh, that guy's my... Eighth inning guy. That guy's my seventh inning guy because he's got that, you know, power stuff. And the Blue Jays bullpen this year has a level of competence where you don't just have to throw the guy who throws hard into those high leverage spots. Um, and he, they were able to use him kind of appropriately. Like he didn't do a great job early in the season, but they they didn't have to live and die by Meriwether, which was a good place to be.
1: It definitely was. And uh, uh, Josh Hausman, I don't know if, uh, how well you know. Josh Nick, but uh, uh, you know a uh, Blue jay sweater guy was a uh, baseball prospectus Toronto for a long time. But he was like, I hope they show him a cutter or something that's not straight fastball. You know, at, at, when he goes down to Buffalo, I think I don't know if that was before or after it happened, but uh, felt like that was perhaps a good idea that uh, maybe Julian Merriweather could survive better, throwing slightly less hard but with a little more movement on his fastball.
0: Or maybe he'll do the Tim Mesa thing and decide to come up with a with a uh, sinker, you know? Maybe it's- I mean, it's, I'm sure it's exactly that simple.
1: It's exactly <laughs> that simple, you
0: know. Blue Jays thing. Here's the free advice: um, a couple comments <laughs> to go through. One is graveling from Sweden. So there we go. We're just keeping. The oh yeah! The the National flavor. Um, pointing out is fastball usage down this year around the league yes that 's correct um i 'm just looking up right now it 's at forty nine percent this season, which is down from fifty one point one percent overall uh in twenty twenty one and it 's kind of been go it 's been going down steadily for quite a long time, and I think that it 's true that Generally speaking, the the conventional wisdom around the league has changed a fair amount. And there used to be this thought that you need you have to base everything off the fastball and you have to throw the fastball early in the count and that's how you throw a I have I have listened to Pat
1: Tabler a couple of times in my life,
0: yes. Yeah, so you guys have all heard that feel. <laughs> and there's an extent to which that feels true. And like we're you know, we're talking about Thornton and Kay and like the need for this fastball and the deficiency. But the reality is that, like, let's say Anthony Kay had this slider that was, you know, Alec Manoa esque in its ability to generate whiffs. If he wanted to throw that 40% of the time uh, and have that be his main pitch, like, he would probably be allowed to do that now in a way that in the past people were concerned about. A lot of people were concerned about health, and some of that was more or less founded. Uh, you know people still haven 't figured out the pitching keeping pitching healthy thing yet, so i don 't want to say that we 've come to a final conclusion on that. but it is a good point like fastball usage is going down around the league like I remember talking to Matt Bushman one time, and he 's like, "I would love to see someone throw yeah like a starter throw like seventy percent curveballs and then <laughs> use a the fastball with two strikes and try and get people out, um, but no one 's really going to try that." Uh, but, I, but he'd like to see it happen. That's, you know, it is kind of an incremental change over time because if you do something crazy, first of all, it's the, it's the pitcher whose sort of career is on the line, so they're kind of reticent to totally changing streams, but some of these guys do. That's how knuckle bowlers are born. Um, and you put your job on the line. If you're like, here's our new pitching strategy, we're going to be totally different than everyone else. Uh, that that rarely happens because that's a really risky thing to do. But we have seen sort of slowly and steadily a move away from that fastball first, fastball centric approach around the league.
1: Well, and I think, I, I don't know if you mentioned it last podcast, but you definitely tweeted about uh, David Singh's piece on Kevin Gosman for Sportsnet where he was talking about the splitter and how it, that was, that that was viewed as a pitch that is going to break your arm, you know, and, and teams kind of shied away from it. And now maybe that, Conversation is changing because it turns out Kevin Gosman's splitter is really good. If there's one thing to talk about this, uh, in this dumb series that just happened, uh, it turns out Kevin, Kevin Gosman is really good, though no, not as many strikeouts as you pointed out. Uh,
0: not quite yeah, he had a uh, bit of a start. weird day. It took yeah. him a while to find his velocity until later in the day, like you know, with the slow splitter and the elements. There are questions about whether that worked. like there's nothing that Gosman did in that outing where I thought, oh no. I got right, a backpedal yeah. pedal on my thoughts of how good he's going to be <laughs> this year. Uh, I'm yeah. front pedaling it. I think I'm sticking to the Kevin Gosman, Cy Young thing. Uh, we're going to have a, a couple more questions in here from Epic. It feels like the Jays' use of the shift has been exploited a decent amount this year. Any opinions on how the Jays have been using or overusing the shift defensively? So my initial thought is that you know you're generally going to be pro-shift. Uh, there's a reason they do it. If the numbers didn't bear it out over a long enough period of time, they probably wouldn't experiment with it. I really like the four-man outfield shifting. I think that's been really effective. Uh, there are There is some data out there to suggest that shifting right-handed hitters in particular is maybe less effective than uh, people thought at one time, and you've seen some teams scale back on that, and the Blue Jays have scaled forward on that this year. So I think there's, that's a little bit eyebrow-raising, Generally speaking, though, it's so much easier to identify hits that go to where no one was mm-hmm. like, and say, oh, the shift is busted. And there's a lot of times where more subtly a guy's in position and you're, it's not 100% clear if he would have been close enough or not. If you were in a more traditional defensive position, like it, it, your mind can't make that connection fast enough to really believe like, oh, that... I mean, sometimes it happens, but there's a lot of sort of gray area where you don't know if the shift actually prevented the hit or not, but it might have. Uh, and that, that doesn't stick with you as much because of the ambiguity surrounding it. So I think that we kind of get into that confirmation bias mindset where whenever we see something that uh, looks like it's exploiting the shift, like that really sticks with that. And the Blue Jays broadcast, um, you know, not to harp on it over and over again, but they have a bit of an anti-shift mentality in my view and i think that when blue jays fans are watching on tv you get told a lot that the shift (laughs) is a problem
1: yeah and i mean those things I, i mean i i just i've written about this for years like like i don't know like uh i remember defending and this was how long ago it was i remember defending greg zahn it's like, oh, he's not controlling the running game. Too many, too many stolen bases off him. And it's like, well, but those those things kind of hit you in the face. You know, there's a lot of like data points throughout the game. Uh, and yes, a catcher who can't throw out runners that is an issue, no doubt. But but yeah, in the you know, just the way our brains work as as a species, right? We don't. It, it, it's harder to. Uh, it's hard just to, to unpack it. Like, you miss a lot because that's just, you know, those, like, a, a, caught, a, a, a stolen base is right in your face. A pass ball is right in your face. Uh, a ball that that beats the shift is right in your face. It's like, oh, look, there's the, the, oh, he, the lefty hit it the opposite way and there was nobody standing at third base. Like, you notice that. But, you know, there's just more, you know, What if you look into the data, there is, like, sound mathematical reasoning behind it. All this sort of stuff, um which which that said, I guess uh the blue jays are doing that a lot this year, right like they are uh i don't I haven't looked at the numbers like in a in a week, but like they had been shifting more than literally any other team uh which as Nick you say, you know yeah, I'm generally pro shift, I mean if the data says that's where this guy should stand, then that's probably you know it's not. It's not foolproof, but you'll probably be in the right position more often than not. I like the four-man outfield stuff too, um, but also it is it, it is eyebrow-raising when it's like when you're the outlier. I guess.
0: Yeah, they're they're going out on a limb a little bit, but yeah, you know it's interesting. You know, Stephen Kwan had a hit, and it went through where the hole in the shift was, and there's a lot of hullabaloo about that. And then you know I kind of went. And sort of pulled up immediately. Like, okay, where are the ground balls? And they were, you know, they were absolutely pulled. Like, um, so the, the, you know, the, the, the fielders were correctly positioned. Yeah, yeah, there was it was just bad luck, and bad luck can happen. And it feels like bad luck has happened to the Blue Jays in a couple of ways uh, this year. Another comment from Oz, Rob, who is, you know, quickly becoming... Dude, he's waking uh, up. He's got... He's, yeah. he's, he's getting alert. <laughs> he said, I mentioned last time what a nice guy Teo is. So was T- Rowdy Teles, and his, and his, it's nice to see he's doing well with the Brewers. One, it is nice to see he's doing well with the Brewers. He was, uh, you know, he's doing... He had an amazing week this week. He's had some stretches, but he does seem to be finding that power and lack of strikeouts that he was able to do... Um, for briefly in 2020. Well, yeah. Was it
1: like September, 2020 before he got hurt? Was he was ridiculous or August, September?
0: Yeah. I mean, sort of the other part of the question, like, is he a nice guy? One, like I was around the blue. Not of not your, his landlord, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Consistently from like 2017 to 2019, worst three years you could possibly pick in many regards. I am hesitant to be like, oh, is this person the best guy in the world? Because like, you never know, right? Like you find out later that people are horrible in their private lives and you never would have guessed, yada, yada, yada. So that's my like disclaimer on any of like, is this Blue Jay a good person from Nick Ashbourne? Like I'm not qualified to say I had interactions with people over a period of time, but like you never know. All that being said, there's my like rubber stamped uh, lawyer speak boilerplate. I actually really enjoyed Rowdy Teles. He was a very funny, very sarcastic guy. Um, and I did it. One of my favorite stories I ever did was on him and Luke Mele. Mele had this insane cribbage rivalry that had been going back <laughs> like multiple uh, years. And they had played in the off season and they played like hundreds of games against each other. And so they were a staple in the Blue Jays clubhouse. It was those two guys um, sitting in the middle just playing cribbage against each other. So that's actually one of my favorite sort of random human interest stories I wrote. Um, so it was fun to talk to him about that. He's super into country music. If you want another, uh, factoid on Rowdy Telez, and he has good recommendations for restaurants in the Dunedin area. So there's those, that's my like info on Rowdy Telez as a human being.
1: That's, I think Luke Maley's in the big leagues right now as well. Is he not? I believe he is. Um, Oh, Rob! Rob's Rob's so awake he's going to call in. All right. Which is, uh, you know, what everybody else is shy. We'll leave it leave it to the man in Australia to not be shy. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's Let's do it. Uh, there we go, Rob. Hey good guys, good to see you, man. And or hear from yeah. you since I'm not actually seeing you.
2: <laughs> yeah, the cobwebs are dissipating. Uh, I've been thinking somebody's got to ask you questions, so I'll, I'll I'll do that. It's Thank you for so that comment about. Rowdy Chiles, because as a fan you, you, the only interaction
1: you have with these players is what you see either on the field or in the interviews and or
2: when you read about them and you sort of say oh yeah he sounds like a nice guy or that guy doesn't sound very nice but I was sort of basing Rowdy Chiles and, and Hernandez's personalities kind of shine when they're interviewed they seem as they seem like legitimate people but I remember John Lott gave them both a thumbs up and whatever John Lott said I sort of thought well that must be true. So that's why I sort of sort of said Telez seemed like a nice guy. But but it's interesting. I don't know. How, how much do you guys interact with players? I mean, I guess as fans, we're always interested in what they're like as people. But do you guys have any insights? Do you, do you uh, reach out to the players as much anymore?
1: Nick uh, certainly does more than me. I, uh, they don't let me hear the players. And I also live in Peterborough <laughs> right now. So it's, it's, it, works, it works easy for
0: both sides. But Nick has, of course, been uh,
1: a real... A, a real journalist, as yeah, opposed a, to me, I who just a, does, a, does whatever a, I
0: do. A brief stint in real journalism. Um, the way that basically works, uh, Rob, is so like, say it's a seven o'clock game. They'll open up the clubhouse at like three thirty in the afternoon, and they're just people. It's kind of different from other sports. Like a lot of other sports, you're waiting for very specific times where athletes are coming to podiums, and you get that in baseball, like post game and whatnot but people are they're kind of going about their business in the clubhouse and so like a lot of reporters sort of come in during that time and there's about you know between that and batting practice there's sort of like a one hour one and a half hour window before a game where you have a chance to kind of catch a guy and have a conversation with them whether it's for a story or just sort of a casual um, conversation so I, I find that baseball reporters probably have more relationships with the players they cover than some of the guys covering other sports just because the clubhouse is just kind of open. And batting practice is a pretty chill affair. So guys who aren't hitting right now, like you have a chance to talk to them and stuff. I would say like after being around, like I might go around the park at some point chasing a particular story, but I'm not going to be there consistently. You know, I don't think that a lot of guys, unless you're really a little bit closer or spend a lot of time with a player or reaching out to them you know outside of those hours or whatnot but uh you know i think definitely during game days and during homestands there's a fair amount of interaction and i'd say that there's probably a little bit more relationships like i said uh between baseball players and journalists than in sports like hockey for instance
2: yeah interesting okay thanks for
1: that guys hey thank you for calling rob uh hero i don't throw that word around lightly but we're gonna go with hero uh, and yeah, no, no, interesting, interesting answer. I like literally. I mean, I've done some press box stuff, but it's not, that's not, it's not what I do. I I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't.
0: They don't let me around
1: the players, as I said.
0: Do you have some IT help for Graveling is looking to call in, but doesn't know how. Uh, I oh. don't know how to provide good IT guidance.
1: I don't. I don't. I mean. Uh, if someone else in
0: the chat can maybe provide. Uh, we'd love to. If it's everybody. not. Yeah.
1: If it's not obvious. I mean, I've never called in because I'm always, you know.
0: We're already in.
1: Here hosting. Um, you hosting. You got to be on the show page, I feel. Would love Somewhere to have grab on the bottom.
0: Head. That's where the buttons are living.
1: It's either going to be on the bo- around the bottom or the top.
0: You know. Uh, uh, but also just... wait oh wait hold on a second maybe i could invite graveling
1: to speak maybe i can do this this is wow
0: this is fascinating podcasting truly <laughs> was, also Graveling is laura, is laura who's uh who's a,
1: a delightful person uh who i've talked to before as well but is in sweden uh but yeah i don't i don't know how we can do that let's see
0: Osrob is saying press the phone icon on the bottom right
1: there you go. Thank there you, we Rob. Are. We're just, we're, Which oh, and I think we got it. Done? There we go. Laura, oh, you thank you so move. much. I think, I think we got it figured. I
2: think we got it sorted. Is this working? Yes. Thank so, you. Thank, thank you, Oz. Thank you, Oz, Rob. <laughs> you were absolutely right. What I want to tell, what I want to say is that I'm not graveling. Oh, sorry, Please, that... The problem is that the wretched software you've got uh, <laughs> doesn't have all of the letters of the Swedish alphabet, so you don't have an A with two dots over the top.
1: Uh, the
2: Graveling means badger. <laughs> 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 the <spice laughs> from the picture. <laughs>
1: okay, this is all making
2: so sense. I'm not, I'm not a Graveling, so it would be nice if we could get the 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 uh,
1: the curve is, is it a new mean, when it's so over an a, use, a or is that only you know? Sorry,
2: use other letters, okay. <laughs> but no, I, anyway, I
1: appreciate my, the correction. I
2: mean,
1: we, test try, test we try, we try if hard. You're you know? pitcher, if, you're, if
2: if if Go ahead. the blue, if, if the pictures show up with their best stuff, the blue jays can't hit them if they don't. We do a good time, but you cannot (laughs) be successful unless you can hit them even if they bring their best stuff to the game. And this does not seem to be what I'm seeing. And I fear by the time we get back from Tampa, we're going to be a 500-ball cup.
1: Wow. Uh, That, I mean, entirely possible. The Rays are always pesky, as we've heard about the Guardians all weekend. But, yeah, it's – I mean – I mean it turns out big ling pitching is uh is difficult to hit um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well I mean i like I said earlier, I think the off day will help I think that uh you know I think it's five off days in this month after like this run of twenty and twenty games or twenty games and twenty days um you know, we'll see where it goes. I think Severino is going to pitch uh, for the Yankees on Tuesday, uh, so they miss Cole again, at least. Which also, I mean, they, they've been okay with Cole in the in the past, but uh, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. And as I said earlier, you know, that's why that's why it was so good that they were banking those win- wins earlier because uh well, you need work. that. You're going to need that all all the way through the year.
0: And I think also a lot of the time when we feel, if we think like, oh, when these guys have really good stuff, we're not able to hit it, you know, often bad hitting can make stuff look better too, right? Like every pitcher <laughs> looks good when a hitter's swinging through the pitch. And, you know, we, we've talked about it a little bit already in this episode, but you know, the, the guardians didn't send a bunch of aces to Hill in this series and the mm-hmm. Blue Jays definitely made them look good at times. And that's not something we're used to seeing from this team in 2021. They didn't make a lot of pitchers look good, but that's where we are at now. I don't think it's going to ultimately be sort of the story of the Blue Jay season or it's going to last for months and months and months. But, yeah, right now, you know, going and facing the Blue Jays is not the scariest assignment.
1: It is weird. Laura, thank you so much for calling. Always appreciate thank it.
2: Thank you. And thank you for the podcast. We will no thank longer you call the- you
1: gra- – well, we won't call you Graveling anymore.
0: Grav. <laughs> One thing uh, I wanted to touch on before we get out of here, uh, which I think it's a getting to be about that time. We're about there. Yeah. We're about there. But there's one thing that I wanted to touch on is sort of the state of the bench right now. And we've talked about it a little bit sort of across the season. It looked a little bit dicey coming in. You could argue that it's been even worse than expected, uh tapia has had his moments but has overall not been very effective zach collins has had his moments uh but now you know we're, we're seeing Vinny capra on the bench uh no we're not seeing him playing we're, we're seeing Heineman somehow did not get cut down from that roster even though they basically never use him my sort of big picture question to you stoten is and you know the less said about bradley zimmer at the plate the better is this a scenario where you could see the early intervention coming through? Like last year, the bullpen was so normally you wait until the trade deadline because you want the most information possible before you pull the trigger on a deal, even sort of smaller deals often wait for the deadline. Could you see a scenario where the position player depth feels like such a problem? Cause you know, they have most of their position players back and they still have some of these type of players on the bench that you have the Adam Simber type trade or you have the Trevor Richards type trade where it's like, we got to get out ahead of this uh, and get some depth for the, you know, so we can rest our guys and feel like the offense isn't going to go in the tank um, to have a little bit more injury insurance on some of these guys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Could you envision that being a scenario that comes to pass?
1: Well, I mean, we're, we're always looking to get better. We're looking to get better all the time. Uh, As Ross Hackens consistently says, Um, yeah, may, I mean, maybe those, those trades are hard to make. I wonder, I think what might be interesting is like whether, uh, teams are going to be as capable of making them this year with the expanded playoffs, just because that takes, uh, potential sellers, uh, not necessarily out of the market, but like makes them pretend that they're potential contenders for a little bit longer if they're still like near a playoff spot. So, you know, I don't know. I think the, Obviously, I think that it's probably just—I don't know what the, the the Gabriel Moreno plan is. I don't, you know, the uh, he's—you see highlights, but I, I don't know that the line is that great in Buffalo as yet for him. Um, but I think I think internal improvements are probably more the way they will go, if I had to guess. Uh, but I—I I mean, I'm sure they—they they definitely have people thinking about. Who they could trade right now to improve that bench? I'm sure, uh, because it is—it's a bit weird. It's a bit—they—they they, they made the you know the Zimmer trade, the Tapia trade for the Richick like they—they made those trades uh, sort of late in the game because of just how condensed not only spring training was, but the uh, the entire second half of the off season after the stupid lockout. Um, so I—I I don't know. I think we're kind of in uh, uncharted waters a little bit because of the extra playoff spot. Because that maybe teams weren't able to do as much business as they wanted in, in sprint training. And maybe we'll see those. Uh, I, I think it would be a great idea if I were the Toronto Blue Jays to uh, improve the bench. But also, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, think I, w- I don't think I could like scorn them for not doing it because those are difficult trades. And they do have some interesting guys in the minors. Uh, once they get Vinny Capra off the 40-man and all the other guys who probably shouldn't be on the 40-man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean you're right. There are some guys in the minors. Moreno is doing all right, but you know he's a tricky guy because you want to give him playing time when he arrives. You know, Elvis Mart- Martinez. you yeah, know he's striking out a lot at Double A. Probably not as you know, a quick solution. You know, Groshans is starting yes. to work at Triple A. Like he's knocking on the door. You got the he could logo.
1: he could be the, he could be the one who's sort of like you know at le- least spoken about, but the quickest path to the big leagues, because I think, because you're right, because, uh, you know, not, Mariano, you don't, you don't, you don't just want to get him playing time, but you want to get him to, you know, know the staff, and that's the whole thing, and Martinez, uh, I quoted, like, Scott Mitchell from TSN wrote about a, a prospect notebook this week, and was like, uh, talked to Joe Scofani, who's like the uh, player development director, who's like, uh, well, nobody's pressing the panic button yet, which is, uh, which is a bit of a backhanded
0: compliment. Yeah, it's, it's not. When, <laughs> so when you're not pressing the panic <laughs> button, it does not mean you're calling the guy up to the big leagues. That's right. true. yeah. <laughs> um, that yeah. does not come into account when you're... Yeah. Yeah, Otto Lopez and Leo Jimenez are a couple of other names to watch. But yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. Those trades are hard to make, but it is also hard to watch some of these players. Uh, for the Blue Jays who are currently on the roster, that being said... I, I could only... I-
1: if you made me have to choose between Tapia and Zimmer, I'd flip a coin and be happy to not have to see the other one again.
0: Ooh. I, I <sighs> would give I'd give Tapia a little bit. I when Zimmer comes to the play. putting he's the ball in the air, so conf- for sure. You're yeah. so confident it's going to be a strikeout. Um
1: He's like a September call-up glove guy, cause, where you don't have to carry him for 5 previous
0: months cuz yeah, he can't. <laughs> Dude, Gerard Dyson. Um, <laughs> yeah. And basically just that. Anyway, I think we should leave it there. Uh, We appreciate you guys calling in, leaving comments, interacting, giving us things to talk about that aren't just strictly a bit of a grim and dreary game. Um, We love all the people who are coming in and listening live. And for those people who are not, um, hopefully you're finding ways to find us. I think we had some questions. We're generally addressing them. We're putting the links out there. Uh, we appreciate ratings, reviews, all that stuff, because we're kind of starting over on that RRS feed. But you guys know that. So thanks again for tuning in. Yeah,
1: thanks, everybody. And, uh, uh, Nick, did we, did we decide when we're doing it next week? I don't know. But well, you'll, you'll I find think out.
0: I th- you guys will find out. But I think it's going to be Wednesday, at least.
1: Wednesday and then Sunday. Yeah, Wednesday, the Blue Jays-Yankees. Uh, yeah. All pleasure, everybody. Thank you very much.